many sports have a draft day. Uh, the women's NBA, the WNBA, and then the NFL, both have recently had their draft days uh, remotely via video. If you love a sport, then draft day is a big deal. Because leading up to that day, every team analyzes all the potential players out there, tries to answer, anticipate who will actually prove to be a good player. And sometimes it works, and you get a star. And then sometimes, even though this person has all these indicators of great potential, they just never develop. And that's always the question, will this person actually turn out to be the star we hoped? Well, this impossible God that we're talking about is what I would say is the greatest talent scout. Because he has an uncanny ability to notice that person that others would never have on their scouting report. Others would never analyze, others would never think they have any potential, and God sees in them just incredible potential. And they become this great star in the kingdom. And all of us know their names today. Well, today we want to look at a time when God drafted an unknown. It was actually a young girl, a young girl from nowhere. She wasn't famous. She wasn't from a powerful family. She wasn't educated. She was truly an unknown until one day God said, I choose you. As a result and how she responded to God's call on her life, his choice of her, she became what is undoubtedly the most famous female in all of human history. You'd have to say God did a pretty good job of picking a potential player. There was no disappointment in this pick. And her name, I don't know if you've been thinking about who I'm speaking of, but her name is Mary, Mary of Nazareth. And in looking at her life, we will see today just how our impossible God works. Now, I know we all know the story of Mary, but I want us to go back and look at this a little bit, and not just in a Christmas kind of way. But that's where we have to begin, where Mary was and what she was asked to do. And probably the best Christmas story of the four Gospels for looking at Mary is in Luke. And I want to read the two verses, or the three verses, when the angel comes to her. She is just this young, engaged girl thinking about getting married and starting a family and whatever else that young girls do. And then an angel shows up. And we read in verse 30 of Luke 1, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. God not, didn't just draft Mary. He told her what position he was drafting her to play. And I want us to think a little bit about if we had been Mary hearing this angel, and we, had, we haven't read the Christmas story, we haven't read the New Testament, it hasn't been written yet, and, and we're just in this little village in the middle of nowhere, doing our chores, working in the garden. We don't know what Mary was doing. And suddenly here is this angel 
that comes to her and says, God wants to use you, and here's what he wants to do. That the Son of God would come to earth. And how would this Son of God come to earth? Well, I think all of us would have written a script where there was lightning and there was angels and there was a a big deal. And he comes out in, in might and all of that. And instead, God says, I want the Son of God to come to earth, Mary, through your body, through a pregnancy, and that you would carry the Son of God for nine months in your pregnancy, and then you would have a baby. And that baby will be the Messiah. And I think because we always read this story at Christmas time, we just think about the birth. But especially to realize that God was asking Mary to do more than just have a baby. He was asking her to raise Jesus. And on this day of all days, we realize all that's involved in being a mother, and it's not just about a birth. It's everything. It's feeding, it's care, it's sleepless nights, it's diapers, it's teaching, it's patience, it's trying to mold character. Trying to mold a personality. And I don't know how you picture Jesus growing up, but because we're told in the New Testament he was fully human in every way like us, I think we need to somehow picture Jesus growing up was relatively normal. And that means that a lot of the things that are on mothers were on Mary. And she, I think, understood this. And, of course, we all know the lasting influence that mothers have on us. Even after they have been dead for decades, as my mother has, they still influence us. They're still with us. And I think we do wrong to take that away from Mary. She was the mother of Jesus. I want us to stop for a second as we talk about this impossible God as we look at this draft pick that God made as he chose Mary. Because it teaches us that God doesn't pick people like we would pick people. He looks for deeper issues. He looks for things inside people. None of us would have picked Mary. I think it's safe to say none of us would have even scouted Nazareth looking for potentials. We would have walked right past. But there's an interesting thing that we read in the Old Testament when the prophet Samuel is being sent to find the next king of Israel. And God has told the prophet Samuel, I've already picked the king. You just need to find him. And of course, Samuel is there and he can't find the king and he's looking at all these brothers and sons and he can't find the king and he's, he's a little testy with God and said, what's the deal? I thought he was here. I can't find him. And then God says this powerful thing to Samuel. You can't find him because the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And you see, that's exactly why God picked Mary. He wasn't looking at her outward credentials that we might evaluate. He was looking at her heart. What was inside her. 
And God surprises us by who he picks. And we'll see that again and again in this series. We see it again and again in the Bible. But that says something to each of us. Because oftentimes, I think we say, God, I'm not qualified. Oh, God, you wouldn't want to use me. And we're saying that in our humanness. In how we would measure the yardstick we would use. But God doesn't use that kind of yardstick. So the first lesson I want us to hear today about this impossible God is you're never going uh, to understand who he's going to pick. And don't think he's not picking you, that he has something for you to do, that he chooses you. Because you're feeling just like Mary, well, welcome to the boat. And then that's, that's the next thing we see in this story is Mary felt very unqualified. We see her reluctance. If I can paraphrase what she says back to the angels, she says, Who, me? God wants to pick me? How, how I can't do this. How in the world can this happen? I think we would say today in our own language, no way. You got the wrong person. But in that, we see some of the qualities that I believe God wanted in Mary. God needed. God doesn't need confident people. He needs humble people. You see, the danger of confident people is that they will say, I am qualified. I can do all this in my power. In my skills, in my education, I got this. And of course, God realizes, no, you don't. Who God tends to use are the humble people who say, God, you got the wrong person. There's no way I can pull this off. And I think in most cases, God would say, you're right. You're exactly right. There's no way you can pull this off. But that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to help you. And the fact that you realize you can't pull this off in your own power, your own wisdom, your own strength, but you see, that means you're already looking to me for help. And I'm not going to have to fight with you in some kind of tug of war. You're ready to use my help. You're ready to let me lead you. You're ready to rely on my power. And that's exactly what I need. So you see, I think when Mary said back to God, I, I think you got the wrong person. I, I'm not qualified to do this. I don't think that turned God off. I don't think God saw that as negative. I think God said, you're right, Mary, and I'm glad you realize that. And I want to stop today because I think there's a lot of moms on this Mother's Day, a lot of women feeling just like Mary. I'm not qualified. I can't do this. I'm in over my head. And in some ways, mom, you're right, just like Mary. You're now not just a woman or a, a wife or a mother or working at home or trying to take care of other people around you, whether it's neighbors or friends or family. And you have every right to say, I, I can't do all this. But you see, that doesn't disqualify you like it didn't disqualify Mary. What it needs to do is make you realize, God, you're going to have to help me. I can't do this on my own. And that doesn't turn God off. For God, that's a positive. Because then he says, ah, you realize that. And I'm ready to help. And I always intended that we would do this together. 
when I asked you, when I chose you. I knew we'd have to do it together, and we're miles ahead because you already realize we're going to have to do this together. There was one requirement God had of Mary for him to draft her, for them to sign a contract. One quality that she needed, it wasn't self-confidence, uh, it, it wasn't any of that kind of stuff. The one thing God had to have from Mary was her availability. God doesn't force us to do stuff. And so he said, I want to use you, Mary. I want to, I want to do this through you. And it's okay, you're, you're not confident you can do it. With my help, you can. Now, Mary, what about it? Are you willing? Are you available? Can I use you? And there's basically two things that Mary says in response to the angel. May I be the Lord's servant? I, I'm willing. God, I'm your servant. I'm here to do what you need me to do. Okay, I'm available. I'll do it. And the second thing she says is, may it be to be, may it be, may it happen to me, as you say. God, it's your plan. I'm available and I'll do whatever you want. However you choose to use me, I'm here. And that's all that God ever needs is us saying, I'm available. And, and we say that because of our faith in God, not in ourselves. It is a, a trust that God knows what he's doing. I think we all are like Mary sitting there saying, there is a thousand other girls you should have picked. I don't know why you picked me. But you won't go away and you say it's me, so I trust you. Okay, we'll do this. I, I'm your girl. Let me know what's next. I, I'll do what you ask. And there are times when God asks us to do the things that we feel like we can't do. But he says, I would never ask you to do what I know you can't do. And he comes and he helps. And he took this young girl from nowhere, uneducated, Based on everything we know of ancient Judaism, Mary couldn't read or write. She was never allowed to study the Torah, study the law. God says, that's okay, it doesn't matter to me. Are you willing? And that's the question God asks for each of us. And I believe as Christians, especially in our situation right now in our world, I believe he's asking that of us every week. There's situations we're in, people we encounter, some people we know, some people who are strangers. And there's problems we see in our own lives, in our own families, or in somebody else's life or family. And we may feel like Mary and say, I'm not qualified, I don't know how to do this, I'm overwhelmed, whatever. But the real question is, God, is this what you want from me? You need me to do this, you need me to help here. And then it comes down to that same choice. Are we willing to say to God, okay, if that's what you want, as long as you're going to help me, I'm your guy.
I'm your gal. You can use me. And God takes care of the rest. But you see, I think what we've already talked about is not what I would call Mary's greatest challenge. <clears throat> and I think as typical Protestants, we don't spend a lot of time thinking about Mary after she has a baby. Maybe after Jesus is 12 in the temple. But you see, I think Mary's greatest challenge wasn't having a baby. I think it was being the mother of the Messiah. She had to keep trusting God, not just to have a baby. She had to trust God as she watched Jesus enter into his ministry. Imagine how you would have handled that. As Jesus begins his ministry, you're going to have to trust that God really is in control. Not just in a birth, but through his whole life. From everything we know and piecing together the hints that we have about Jesus' home life, we know that at some point, Mary became a single parent. When Jesus is 12 years old, we hear of Joseph, and that's the last time we hear of him. And somewhere between there and when Jesus entered into the adult world, all the signs are Joseph died. And we know it was a large family, at least large by our standards. We, we know the names of four of Jesus' brothers, and we know that he also had sisters. And here is this large family. Jesus is the oldest, clearly. But here are these other half-brothers and half-sisters, and Mary becomes a single parent. But that's not even the hard, hardest part. She had to raise those kids. But then she had to watch Jesus try to become the Messiah in the sense of people noticing him, people hearing him, people believing him, giving him credit that he really is the Messiah, and most doubted. His own hometown, Mary's hometown, thought he was crazy. And she has to watch all of this. And of course, she knows the truth. But it's not just Jesus earning his credibility and people believing in him. As that happens and people begin to believe in Jesus, the opposition grows. And most of those in authority begin to consciously fight against Jesus and Mary's watching all this. And worrying for her son, frustrated that nobody will believe him, nobody gets it. And here's Mary. And I think this was some of her worst testing. I can't imagine at times she didn't say to God, why did you have me have this baby? Nobody's listening to him. They don't get him. They don't believe him. And of course, we know where that leads. That opposition grows. And we know from the gospel stories, though we don't notice her a lot, Mary is right there, watching. I'm sure she was anxious. I'm sure she was worried for Jesus. She hadn't read the rest of the story. And finally, her son is arrested. 
and there is a trial that is grossly unfair, and he is beaten, and he is crucified. And we know from the Gospels that Mary was standing on that hill called Golgotha, watching as her son dies. And there's a warning for us, because we may face what Mary faced. God may ask us to do the impossible, and he may be an impossible God, and he is, but that doesn't mean there are times we won't face pain, crisis, seeming failure, terrible things happening. And our instinct may be to say, God, why did you do this? What, what's going on here, God? I trusted you. And Jesus still died. We can be doing what God asks us to do. We can be trying to be faithful in the place he puts us but that doesn't mean everything is going to work wonderfully. And we need to understand that. And that's why we have to continue to depend on God. And be willing to say to God, I, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know why this isn't working. I, I'm doing what I think you asked me to do. And we need to trust this impossible God. Because there are times when what God asks us to do, the place he puts us, can still be discouraging. We have to trust him. The good news for Mary is that her faith was not wasted. And that she lived long enough to see Jesus alive again. And to understand that God did know what he was doing. And even though that seeming defeat on the cross happened, she was around to understand, oh, that's what God was doing. And as Brent talked about in his communion meditation, look what's happened to us because my son Jesus was willing to die. I would think it would be safe to say that was Mary's proudest moment to realize what her son had done for all of humanity. To see that proof that God is an impossible God and to see what had resulted out of her saying to God, okay, I'm available for you to use me. And we're going to see that again and again in this series of sermons. That if people are willing to say to God, okay, I'm, a willing, I'm available for you to use me, he does amazing things. Before we're done with Mary, there's one more verse I want us to look at. And you may never have noticed this. It's actually in the book of Acts. It's not in the Gospels. This is what we read in chapter 1 of Acts, verse 14. Now let me set the stage before we read this. Jesus has come back to life. They've had 40 days with him. And now he's ascended to heaven. He's gone. And here are these followers who are persecuted by the Jewish authorities. They're not sure what to do. They haven't read the book of Acts. They don't know what's coming. The day of Pentecost hasn't happened and so they were all joining together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Here are the disciples praying. They're not sure what's going to happen. They don't have the answers. And it struck me, Mary's starting all over again. Just like when the angel said, I want you to have a baby for God, and now she is in this 
small group of believers, maybe 120, maybe a few more, and they don't know what's coming. But she's right back again praying, God, it's going to take you. And she's right in the midst. But I think she was there as a testimony of faith saying, I've seen what God can do, guys. I've seen personally what God can do. We don't have to have all the answers. We have an impossible God. Let's trust him for the future. And that's what I want you to have today. Faith in an impossible God who can do amazing things and who can handle the future. That was the God Mary had, and look what he did with her. I think we'll be amazed to see what he can do through us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you did through a little girl, a young girl named Mary. And how you were with her through her, her, her life, her entire life, as she watched Jesus struggle. She trusted you. And in the end, she was still trusting you with the other disciples as the church began. Help us. Help us to be encouraged by her life that we can trust you. We can trust you for whatever we're facing and that you can handle it. That you are an impossible God. Thank you for wanting to be that kind of God to us as well. Pray this in Jesus' name.